This is Sarah Seven, and you are listening to Tornado Radio, where we're all safe and warm in the eye of the Central Texas music storm. All right, folks, welcome back to Tornado Radio. This is season two. And if you all will recall, we started season one interviewing an electronic musician, Cedar Branches, just to sort of prove a point about music in Central Texas. I found the most far afield, unexpected thing I could. Because everyone seems to think outside of Texas that all we got is country. Well, we've got a few more things than that. So this season, we are starting out with a country artist. But what's surprising about her is that although she's very much a local girl, a little old Waco and a little old Central Texas, and she pretty much embodies grassroots pride. And we'll get into that during the interview. But uh, this little Central Texas country singer has a very far afield following. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. One of them is her amazing voice. She is something that I really appreciate in, in a musician, and that is just vocals, um, just a powerful voice. Um, conveys a lot of emotion. So here we are in the beautiful and historic Lee Lockwood Library and Museum and Event Center. And DJ Shanti Ann is gonna have a chat with the fabulous and also beautiful Holly Tucker.
Well, welcome, Holly. It's great to have you with us today. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. I wish we had hours to talk. I have so many questions I would love to ask you. I'm going to start with how did growing up in a musical family foster your talent? I think it really shaped every bit of who I am. I had music from all sides of my family, from my mom's side and my dad's side for generations far back. And I grew up in a household of music because my parents are both musicians and singers. And so I would always watch my parents on stage somewhere at a church, leading worship, or maybe like at a wedding or at a special event or something. And it really just made me want to get up on stage and sing too. So that's where it all started for me. It was really my parents that were the biggest influences and it was an incredible way to grow up. My earliest memory would be when I got on the stage for the very first time. I was at my home church here in Waco at First Baptist Woodway and um, I was singing a duet with my dad and we were backed up by the senior adult choir at First Baptist Woodway and we sang this little song called I Am a Promise. And uh, <laughs> I even remember it now. It's just, it's a great song. And, I am a promise. Uh, yeah. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was just an indescribable feeling, just getting up there on that stage. And I just knew that something was special about it. I didn't know that I'd necessarily be doing it for the rest of my life. But at that point, I, I just, I wanted to keep going. What is the most memorable music-related experience you had prior to your first public singing experience? At family events and stuff like that, like family reunions or, uh, you know, dinners at the house or something like that. I remember afterwards we would always get out the instruments and we would start singing, and it would a lot of times be country music. I got my start singing in the church, but very early on is, is when I was introduced to country music, and I'll always remember that because it's very special to, to have those experiences with your family. Tell us how you came to sing in the church. At the incredibly young age of seven. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, the, you know, the senior adult choir had this song. Like I said, I Am a Promise, and they it had a, a child and father duet on it. And they, you know, were looking within the church to find uh, people that could do it. And they knew about my dad. My dad had been very involved in the church. And then they knew that he had me as a young girl and that I had been doing some singing from a young age. So it was kind of random how it happened but very cool that it did start to a, yeah so much more you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure so how was young holly feeling and what was she thinking about I was very young, so I mean, I didn't have any concept of career or, you know, lifetime, you know, financial, any, anything like that, um, and since then I have learned a lot more, but from the very first time, I just knew that there was some sort of spark inside me that loved it and wanted to keep doing it. So my parents saw that, and, um, you know, they've always been my number one support system and my number one encouragement, and they helped mold that into me and foster that into me, and, um, you know, I owe a lot of it to them. After I had gotten on stage for the very first time, my parents really were in, in a big encouragement, like I said, and so they would take me to karaoke competitions and open mic nights and coffee shops and just anywhere I could get on a stage and practice and kind of hone the gift that they saw in me. You know, that's what it 
took over the years is just lots and lots and lots of practice. So I do remember lots of years on the road with my parents and um, just those conversations and times that we had, and they'll always be really special to me. Do you feel like you missed out on a proper childhood starting music so early? Not to be singers from normal, because they're not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't feel like I missed out on anything. If, if anything, I feel like I was even more blessed because over the years, I've I've always been told by people how much of a blessing it is to be so close to your family and because not everybody has that. And not only are we close personally and relationship-wise, but we're close through music. That's been the thing that's always uh, brought us together, and our faith as well. That's mm -hmm. been something that really um, has held us all together. I feel like I had a, a richer childhood than, than even um, some people. And not I don't mean that financially, of course. I mean that, right. um, yeah, yeah. you know, just, just having them there and... Um, my brothers, too. I mean, my older brothers are also musical. They're not as, you know, interested in music as me, but they've, they've done different things with their lives. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been really special, I think. Well, that is, that's kind of cool because it used to be that families had to work together just to survive. And then when things got more, I guess you'd call it industrial, you know, the dad goes off to work, the mom does whatever she does, and the kids go off to school. But they're not working together. So you guys found a way to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it was really just uh, I, different. I mean, it's it's not maybe a typical way to grow up, but I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. So I understand you still perform with your parents? Every now and then. <laughs> yeah, every now and then. I like to bring them up on stage with me at different shows, depending on the audience, um, because I just know that actually really any audience, um, they love getting to see that because it's just something different. And you don't see that anymore. Family bands or family trios, you know. So yeah, every every now and then we'll still get out there. We don't do our own shows or anything like that, but oh, okay. we uh, we definitely still perform at church a lot, and uh, and then at my country shows, I'll bring them up to do some some songs with me. So it's fun. Ha have you written any songs that encapsulate your childhood? I would say I have. Um, I have not released all of those songs yet. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing in in the last two or three years that has. Um, touched on subjects other than, you know, love and relationships that's typical for country music. And I've tried to kind of expand, not that that's a bad thing, you know, but I've, I've tried to expand on, you know, the different topics that I write about. And um, I do have a few songs that are written specifically for my dad or for my mom or yes. just for the experience of, um, you know, growing up and uh, leaving home, actually, and then coming back and, and uh, remembering how special it is. Say you can't tell what I'm thinking, so you don't even try. Act like I'm so complicated, and I'm always changing my mind. You're looking so lost, boy, like you need a road map. Well, I'm about to help a brother out. Call me a beautiful and open my door. Rock me to a George Strait song out on the dance floor. If you want to reel me in, make my head spin Here's a secret, hope you're listening Call me beautiful oh, oh, And take me fishing Yeah. 
Yeah, it might sound kind of simple, but boy, you'd be surprised. What you can do to a country girl's heart with a, a tackle box and a blue sky. Turn a, a good day into a long night. That's right. So call me a beautiful and open my door. Rock me to a George Strait song out on the dance floor. If you want to reel me in, make my head spin. Here's a secret. Hope you're listening. Call me a How typical You're so close now Baby, don't you turn back Cause I'm about to help a brother out Call me a beautiful And open my door Rock me to a George Strait song Out on the dance floor If you wanna reel me in Make my head spin Here's a secret, hope you're listening Call me a beautiful oh Nitty gritty now. You and me go fishing in the dark. Light on our backs and count the stars where the cool grass grows. Here we go. Down by the river in the full moonlight. We'll be falling in love in the middle of the night. Just moving slow. Staying the whole night so good to be call me beautiful oh, and take me fishing yeah, yeah oh baby take me fishing you and me go fishing in the dark okay so this song is really fun um Every now and then, you know, you got to have a song that's just, it, it makes you feel good and it you, you hope that it sparks that in other people too. And, um, you know, I am in, in general in my music, uh, I would say that I'm an optimist and I'm somebody that likes to put positive messages out there and, and positive music, fun music out there for people to just smile about because there's so much sad in the world already. I just want to be a light, you know, I want, I want to make people feel good. So with this song, that's kind of the, the, um, focus of it actually. And, uh, I ran across this person that I follow on Twitter and Facebook. His name is Granger Smith and he has an alter ego called Earl Dibbles Jr. (laughs) And, (laughs) He is hilarious. If you guys have never checked him out, he's just really funny. Um, But especially on Twitter, he said this one day about women. He said, women really aren't all that complicated. It ain't, it doesn't take much to make them happy. All you got to do is call them beautiful and take them fishing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, well, that man is a genius right there. Um, (laughs) No, but uh, I mean, I I love fishing and really it's just the sentiment is just, you know, it just takes a little bit of effort. That's all it is. That's all we want. 
And um, so I, I thought that would make a cute little country song, though. So I got a buddy to help me write the, the idea, and it turned into Take Me Fishing. Of the 40,000 hopefuls, you got one of seven of the rare four chair turns on The Voice. How did you come to audition for The Voice? I had been, so I auditioned for The Voice when I was 19 years old. And uh, you can start auditioning for shows like that when you're 16. Um, actually, now you can do it when you're 15. But I started auditioning for all of those singing type shows when I was um, 16 years old. And uh, I did all of them that you can uh, remember, you know, American Idol, uh, X Factor, all, all of them. Um, and I kept getting told no. I got told no uh, five or six times probably. And I was just done with it after that. I was like, no, I'm, I'm just, uh, this is not going to be the route that God has for me. So I, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then, um, you know, one time I was in Irving for a different singing opportunity. I was just there in, in the Dallas area, and um, the voice auditions were in town. And so I was like, well, I have some extra free time, so why not give it a shot? What's another no, you know? <laughs> and persistence paid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I went in and I auditioned um, just with cattle call with everybody else, and um you know, I, I got a call back and then I did another audition and got a call back and so on and so forth. And eventually I made my way to the, the blind auditions where that happened and I chose Blake. So how did this experience help you evolve as an artist? Well, I uh, started out 19 years old and I turned 20 on the show and I, I started out pretty shy and, uh, you know, insecure about going up on a big stage like that in front of all of America and um, worrying about how people were going to judge me, what they were going to think about me, about the way I look. And I had heard, you know, horror stories from like other people that had auditioned and gone and read the message boards online and people can be just so hateful and so mean about every little thing about you. And I, that terrified me because I'm, I, at that point was not, one that could really take those mean, hurtful things that well. And uh, I still have trouble with that. But Well, at, at 19 and 20, though, that's a, a hard time to, yeah. to deal with that. <laughs> you know, it's fight or flight at that age. Yeah, right. So I really, uh, that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway I have from Blake and from the show is that, um, I mean, Blake, Blake really fostered that in me to stop putting so much stock into what people think and not to go read those message boards and not to, um, you know, get my feelings quite so hurt because it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. And, um, you know, he, although I knew that in my head, getting it through and, and living it out really put it through to my heart. So, um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I took away from the, the show. What was it like behind the scenes? It was surreal, <laughs> you know, because America, you know, you see the the big stage and you see the chairs turned around uh, where, you know, everything's dark. And, um, you know, it's, it's, first of all, it looks a lot bigger um, on camera. So when you're there, you know, like the stage is still big, but... Um, it's definitely made to, to look bigger on, on camera and stuff like that. So, um, but you know, you get, you get up there and you're just like, 
you're thinking to yourself the whole time, okay, well, I have 30 seconds to make my impression. No pressure, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's like that. Oh. It's like that every week. I mean, I, it was eight years ago. It's crazy, but I still remember that. I still remember going up there on that stage every week and just remembering, okay, you better not screw this up because you got one chance. And um, it, it was a lot of pressure, but... So as far as the performance, you know, it was very surreal. But behind the scenes, you know, a lot a lot of people on my season I was really good friends with, and I still am to this day. I still keep in touch with them through Facebook and social media and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when I go to Nashville, I'll see some of them. And, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, – it was sort of a family of that time. And um, a lot of people don't know this, but you stay together with those people for – collectively about three months of your life in a hotel sequestered you cannot go out anywhere because of paparazzi and oh yeah because they're they you're staying in california you know so um you know it's it's you really get to know people and make good friends there so almost like musical boot camp or celebrity boot camp (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) it's it's a lot of that you know hair and makeup at 5 a.m and (laughs) like uh wardrobe appointments during the week and you know it's it's weird yeah <laughs> honestly I'd rather have army boot camp I'd rather do push-ups than hair and makeup at 5 30 <laughs> I'm telling you you say that but when you got a professional doing it and you ain't got to do none of the work and they make you look fabulous it is it's kind of magical it really is <laughs> <laughs> okay you're starting to talk me into it yeah you twist my arm <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, looking fabulous yeah but ugh. hair and makeup yeah yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite memory from that time? There's so much of it that I, you know, still remember and still look back on fondly, but the the moment that has always and will always stick out for me is when I got to sing How Great Thou Art on the show. Um, that was the week of the top 10, and... Um, you know, I never knew that it would be possible to do a faith-based song on a secular television show. Uh, nobody had done it before, and I had put it on my list as as songs to do. Like they ask you in the beginning, what songs would you be good at, or would you like to do, and we'll see if we can get them approved. And um, you know, so so I put it on my list, but I never knew that I could do it. And then one week, Blake, or that week, Blake suggested that I do that song, and I was like, I went to him and I was like, well. I mean, yeah, I would love to do that. You know, am am I going to get in trouble though? Or like, are people going to, you know, say that I'm pushing religion in their face or something like that by doing it? And, and then he looked at me and he was like, Holly, you know, you gotta, you gotta, again, stop worrying about what people think. You have to, (laughs) you have to just be yourself and your faith is such a big part of who you are. Every time you come in here, we talk about it. Um, And I, I just... You, you got to be real with people. And because if, if you don't tell them, share with them this part of yourself, then you're kind of lying to them in a way. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I'm getting convicted by Blake Shelton of all people. Um, you know, and, <laughs> but it's true. Like he was right. And, and he's, he's an, an incredible person for saying that, being honest with me. And um, I, I ended up getting to do it that week on the show. And, I have ever since then, like that moment has just meant the world to me. And I have ended every single show, no matter where I'm at, um, for the last eight years with How Great Thou Art. 
Oh, nice. And well, it continues to touch people. And, and that's not, I'm not saying that to brag on myself. I'm saying that because that song and the meaning of its, its lyrics just touch people. And God's using that. So. It's very powerful. Well, and it's, it's, it's a part of people's history. Yeah. And I mean, okay, like, okay, take something like, I don't know, Hindu devotional music or Buddhist prayer chants. I mean, you have to hear those to understand those traditions. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a big part of a lot of people's history. And it's a beautiful piece of music. Right. And I think people can appreciate it, even if they don't get all of the Christian faith. There's some powerful words in there, and just the range of that song. Yeah, yeah. And just the emotion behind it, you know, and with a singer like you, where you can convey that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, it's it's even, it's so old of a song, people don't know this, but it's so old that it's public domain. That's very rare and very special, um, and, and that's another thing that's really cool about it. So Okay. Here's Country Music Won't Let Me. Every time I leave you in the past Just when my mind quits looking back I hear a hurting song That takes me back where we went wrong It's like every word and melody Was written just for you and me I'd give anything If I could just move on But country music won't too real it hits me heavy right when i'm letting go it keeps me holding on that lonely crying steel guitar re-breaks the broken in my heart thought i'd be over you already but country music won't Follows me everywhere I go In the bar, in the car, on the radio Even when I turn it off I still sing along And when the needle falls on Patsy Cline I fall to pieces every time I'd give anything If I could just stay strong But country music won't real it hits me heavy right when I'm letting go it keeps me holding on that lonely crying steel guitar re-breaks the broken in my heart thought I'd be over you already but country music won't let me you're nothing but a She could forget me Cause country music won't let me It's way too real It hits me heavy Right when I'm letting go It keeps me holding on That lonely crying steel guitar Re-breaks the broken in my heart Thought I'd be over you 
<laughs> that one is by far probably one of my favorite songs that I've ever gotten to write. It's um, just, it, it kind of encapsulates the the thought that country music is a genre that can make you feel something like no other genre can. And I've always felt that way. I've, that's why I've been drawn to country music. Um, it just tells a story in a poetic way yeah. that is different from a lot of other genres. And um, especially when it comes to loss and heartbreak and, um, you know, the, the sadder subjects, um, you know, you can think that you're over a situation or a person or a hard time in your life, and then that one country song comes on the radio, and you are right back to that moment of heartbreak. And that's what the song is about. Who are your favorite musician? <laughs> oh, I have a lot. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, I do find myself, in general, um, drawn to vocalists, really great timeless classic vocalists, in addition to country singers, of course. But I would say Carrie Underwood has always been high on my list. Just her, her vocals are just unmatched to me. And then, you know, like in pop music, now we've got Tori Kelly. And, um, you know, those are some, some other, like Aretha Franklin, just, uh, you know, people that uh, – Chris Stapleton. I mean, people that just are monster vocalists that – can touch you with just the effortless way that they that the words and the notes come out of their mouth. Those are the people that I look up to, and um, so that that would those would be some of my influences. But I'm also really inspired by like the the ladies of the '90s country era, like uh -huh. um, Martina McBride and Jamie O'Neill and Sarah Evans and Jody Messina and Faith Hill. You know stuff like that. They're um, that's when I was growing up, was in the 90s. So on country radio, you would turn it on, and 50% of the time you'd hear a female. And, um, you know, they made me believe that one day I could do it. Could you tell our um, listeners about Rose in the Red Dirt? Yes. So Rose in the Red Dirt is a brand new one that I have not released yet. It is um, unofficially slash officially coming out um, later in the summer. And I'm, I'm really excited about this one because um, it's a little different from what I'm used to. I'm used to putting out produced tracks, uh, full band tracks that um, are really radio friendly. And this one is more stripped back, more acoustic. And um, I really wanted it to be that way because it's more of an intimate song. Um, the whole message of this song is that um, beauty can come out of unexpected, hard, rough places. Mm -hmm. And um, the way that happens is through perseverance, never giving up, and um, staying strong in and what you believe and what you know that you're meant to do. And that's what the song uh, is, is really trying to encapsulate there is that idea. Okay. Yeah, and that's kind of cool too. That, and I say this as somebody who's looked at recording. Yeah, there's this very limited box of what can go on the radio. So many minutes and it's got to have a certain formula, but it's nice when... I like it when people choose to push that a little bit because 
yeah, it'd be nice to hear something a little bit different on the radio sometimes. Right. And those are the things that usually end up getting remembered more than anything. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> and and it's, it's about being real, too, being real and authentic. Um, to say, it's more honest, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, not that produced and fun songs can't be honest, but, you know, it's, I think everything you do should be honest, you know, and we all have our fun sides and we all have our sad sides and we all have all these layers to us that make us who we are. And um, sometimes it's good to just focus on that raw emotion. Some days I'm out of place, but I've never been lost. I'm right where I want to be, thorns and all. I can't just sit here and look pretty. Like that's enough for me I've always been a dreaming child A streak of crimson growing wild Like a rose in the red dirt A raindrop in the desert I fight the fight with a, a smiling face And every day amazing grace Takes a, a soft heart and a thick skin Standing tossed at a given in when people say it'll never work like a rose in the red dirt. I wanna be tough like my daddy, sweet like my mom. Just want to make them all proud Back where I come from Like a rose in the red dirt A raindrop in the desert I fight the fight with a, a smiling face And every day amazing grace Takes a, a soft heart and a thick skin A standing tossed and a giving in win People say it'll never work Oh, like a rose in the red dirt Yeah Ooh. It might be a Against the odds, against the grain A whole lot of stubborn and half insane But I promise you I'm gonna break through Like a rose in the red dirt A raindrop in the desert I fight the fight with a smiling face and every day amazing grace takes a, a soft heart and a thick skin a standing tossed at a giving in when people say it'll never work like a rose in the red dirt Today you write and perform your own music. 
How did you move into songwriting? That is something that I have not always been really necessarily gifted with, I don't think. <laughs> um, songwriting is something that I've had to learn. Um, you know, I, I've, I've wanted to do it from an early age, but I didn't really... I didn't really believe in myself, I guess. And then over the years, as I would travel around and start singing, I noticed people were putting more of an emphasis on original music. And I knew that eventually, sooner or later, I would start having to do that. So what I did was try to network and meet people that I respected as better than me. And um, had something in them that was a gift that I could learn from just by being around them and hearing them talk, hearing how they write. And uh, that's really, I feel like, how I have crafted my, if I have, you know, ability or anything like that. That's how I've crafted my songwriting over the years is by learning from others and studying. And um, I started when I was about 15. So I'm 28 now. And um, you know, still to this day, my favorite thing to do is co-write with other people because number one, you get it done faster and, you know, two or three heads is way better than one. I mean, you, you sometimes you need to bounce ideas off of other people to know if they're good or not. What is the most meaningful song you have written and why? I, I have a song that I recently have written within the last year that is not released yet, and it's called Maker's Mark. And uh, it is going to be on a future project somewhere. Um, but I've, I probably feel like so far that one is the most meaningful one that I've ever written. Um, Maker's Mark is the name of a whiskey, mm-hmm. but the song is not about that at all. <laughs> the hook is actually I want to I want to leave my maker's mark on the world. So I want to leave the mark of my creator. I want right. to leave yeah, yeah. little bits of Jesus everywhere I go. And that, that to me, uh, and, and that's, that's what the song encapul- encapsulates, but there's, there's other things in the verses and stuff like that. And it really describes how I want to live my life. And um, I think that would probably be the most meaningful one I've written so far. You are touring now. Please tell us about that. I am touring, uh, starting to get back to touring. Um, COVID messed everything up, (laughs) (laughs) like for a lot of others, I am certain, Um, you know, but so I'm I'm just now getting back to scheduling and uh, trying to get back out there on the road. It's even still difficult, though. I mean, I have stuff that I'm I'm getting ready for to go out there and, and play. And, you know, then a week before the show, it'll be rescheduled or canceled. So um, it's very, very frustrating and discouraging. And, uh, but it's also given me time to reflect and write and do a lot of those things that I wouldn't have time to do if I were on the road. So it's been a double-edged sword. Um, so when I, that being said, when I do get out there again and start touring full-time, uh, which I hope is coming this year, um, you know, it's going to be something that is really going to fill my soul because it's I've been missing that for a long time so you like traveling around and you because for some musicians they hate touring because they'd rather be either in the studio or just writing yeah but yeah the the fun of traveling is yeah I like it all honestly I mean yeah if I was you know gone from home for months at a time you know which maybe someday I might be I don't know um but 
I, I think that would probably get hard being away from your family, but, um, you know, being a Texas musician, you get a little bit more leeway because you're right here in Texas and things are, you know, fairly, fairly close. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you're going far, but, um, but it's, it's, it's really great to, to get out there and, um, I mean, I just, I love every aspect of it. So studio, I mean, <laughs> touring, um, writing, all of it. It's just, uh, all of it's a blessing. Tell us about the new duet. the With Landon Heights? Yes. Okay, yes. so yeah, that one, I actually, I can't tell you much about that one because I didn't write it. Um, I Landon actually wrote that song, and um, he asked me if I would want to come in the studio and put my vocal on the song and just see how it worked. And, uh, so we did and it is what it is today. So, um, we've done several shows together where we've gotten to sing it together, but, um, yeah, that, that one is, I'm just really honored to be a part of it with him. He's a great guy. We've been friends for years and, uh, it's, it's really cool to, to have that out there. I understand you're engaged now. Yes, I am. <laughs> Speaking of duets. Yes, my favorite duet. <laughs> duet. That's right. Yes, I am. I got engaged back in December. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get married um, Valentine's Day weekend of next year, 2022, um, on the 12th. So we will have been together for two years at that point, and he is the love of my life. Absolutely. So lots of twos in this equation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lots of twos. <laughs> We didn't really plan it that way, but it kind of worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, any details about the upcoming ceremony and honeymoon? Oh, well, yes, I'm definitely, uh, we're getting married at my home church of First Woodway, where I stepped on stage for the first time and all of that good stuff. Um, and then uh, the ceremony is also going to be here in Waco, in the Waco area, and um, then we're actually going to honeymoon in Sandals, Jamaica. So oh, very nice. excited about that because we've looked at the resort and it is incredible. So <laughs> we're going to be there for uh, seven days. So it'll be really good. What happens there? Is none of y'all tag me. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to have fun. <laughs> You're involved with many local causes and organizations. Please tell us about some of your charitable efforts. Yeah, so I have, um, over the years, music is actually something that gets you a lot of opportunities for benefits and ways to give of your time. So um, I'm very grateful for that. I've been able to volunteer with the American Heart Association and uh, with the Waco Cancer Community Cancer Association and um, Meals on Wheels. I've gotten to deliver meals to people and sing to them as well, which is really Aww. cool. Yeah, so um, I, I love getting to do that. Um, you know, and, and also performing at benefits and stuff like that. Um, I've got one actually later this year in, in Waco that's coming up. So anytime I get to give back, um, you know, I, I view it as people coming to my shows are giving me their time. So, you know, sometimes I need to be giving of, of, of my time and, and return that to the community in more ways than just music. What do you think about the Central Texas music scene and its future? Oh man, I like I said earlier, I've always thought that Central Texas has such a variety of talent. Um, and that's what makes it so cool. Uh, Waco is just a big melting pot of all kinds of cultures and peoples and 
music and art, and it's just really cool to watch. It's it's like this big abstract painting. You know, you just look and, and you just, everywhere you look, there's something different. So, I mean, we've got several associations that foster that as well, like Keep Waco Loud and the Music Association <laughs> of Central Texas. And mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah. lots of cool places and, and groups of people that um, are really just encouraging all of that different kinds of music. And, and I love that. I think it's going to only go up from here. I think um, the youth are going to get involved and, um, and feel more comfortable to get out there and perform and um, just be a part of Waco and be a part of this music scene. So I'm, I'm excited to see what it has.
What other projects are you working on? <laughs> well, um, I'm looking at getting back into the studio to start my next record. Um, looking at doing that in July, and which is a long time coming. Um, this the last album that I put out. We put out in uh, 2019, which I know doesn't sound that long ago, but for the lifetime of a record, that's kind of ancient. Um, so it's it's time to get some new music back out there and. Uh, I'm working on that as well. And then just the other thing really is getting out there and performing. That's my main focus right now. And, um, you know, just writing as well, always trying to get new, better songs. And, um, yeah, we'll just, we'll see what, what the next year has in store. (laughs) Uh, where's the best place to find your music and learn about where you will be performing? Yeah, so you can go to any of my social media sites. Those are where I keep everything updated fairly uh, quickly, and especially Facebook. I, I usually go to my Facebook first because that's where I have my biggest following, and I'll put all of my events there first. But they also populate to all of my other websites uh, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, all that. They populate everywhere. Um, so you can go to my website as well, which is just hollytucker.com. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Also, the Tornado Radio. Yes. Concert calendar. That's yes. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We're like, hmm. we just might be the most comprehensive calendar, at least in Central Texas, probably at least anywhere we've seen. Yeah, because you put everything on there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, thank you so much, love, for interviewing <laughs> with yeah. us. Yeah, and thank we you. We wish you the best. Thank you so much. In the future. Thank you. Y'all are awesome. Thanks, Tornado Radio. High class on a small town budget ain't never bothered me. Five bucks at the meet and greet diner gets you everything you need. Catch up on your fries and some conversation. 45's on the jukebox, popping like the bacon. A farmer's on the neck in a King James. Sinks the bobber, no pure blood breeze.
just a honeysuckle breeze Floating on the air I don't want much Just a little touch of sunshine No caviar dinner Just whatever sinks the bobber No pure blood breed Give me a mud with a collar You're not rich till you get something Money can't buy The final Take a quick look at the Tornado Radio live music events calendar, shall we? Okay, on Friday the 21st, we've got the inimitable Lily Milford and Earl Nelson at O'Brien's in Temple. Show starts at 9 and goes pretty much till it's done. And on Saturday night, oh, this one's going to be a fun one. At Scores in Belton, it's going to be Matt Curley and the Rowdy Few. Show starts at 7. But to find out about all the shows that are going on, and uh, there are a bunch of them, you're going to have to check out our live music events calendar at tornadoradio.org. such a fun interview kind of harkens back to well honestly how things were a little over a year ago before this new normal hit I mean, what is normal anyway I guess what I mean is before we had all these new words that we've had to learn in the last year words that didn't even exist a year ago and the ideas that come with them you know words like social distancing the great reset mask mandate COVID, China, no. the Cerveza sickness. And then there's Snowvid, Plandemic, Scamdemic, Remote Learning, and my personal favorite, Zoom Fatigue. So who gets Zoom Fatigue? Probably people who have to use it every day, I'm guessing. So let's get on Zoom and talk to some of them, shall we? So here I am with Pastor Heath of Covenant Lutheran Church in Temple, Texas. And um, you have some experience with Zoom over this last year. I do. Can you tell us all about that? The good, the bad, and everything in between? (laughs) The good, the bad, and everything in between. I'll, I'll try. You need to know, first off, I am not a social media person. I, I'm kind of anti-social media person. I don't know how to exist on some of these platforms without just causing a stir uh, and pissing somebody off. When the pandemic hit, we're just trying to find some way that we can reach out and talk to people. And uh, our bishop signed us up for a Zoom account. I started trying to use it. All of a sudden, I'm doing four, five, six Zoom meetings a week. And I'm going to say six 
weeks in, eight weeks in. It, it may have been three weeks in, but I know for a certain, at least three months, first three months, I was worn out. I'd come home at the end of the day and I couldn't even think straight. Um, the emotions of trying to read people, trying to figure out when we talk, trying to figure out how to uh, manage yourself when you're looking at yourself in the in the in the screen, uh, it was very difficult. Uh, and so I'm going to say for the first three months, it wore me out tremendously. Yeah, a little Zoom goes a long way, but when you have to use it, yeah, six times a week, that's that's a different thing altogether. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but somewhere in the middle of all of that, I started realizing that when people saw each other's faces, they'd, they'd be in tears because they hadn't seen one another and they were worried about one another. And so I knew that yeah. there was some good in it. It was just wearing me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I realized some of my faithful people some of the ones that were there every week, they would call in kind of like an old party line when you know everybody lived in the country and you'd have seven people on the same circuit. And they're just listening on their telephone, but they're being filled by the conversation that's happening. And it was a bonus that I think the conversation usually also included God and the spirit was moving. And um, so they became the regulars. Zoom is good for bridging distance, but it it's like it's no substitute for in person. No, it's, it's got its limitations. Sometimes it's just as hard to manage a meeting on Zoom as it is in person when one person tries to talk too much and everyone else is rolling their eyes, except you can actually see them rolling their eyes. Uh, <laughs> I've started looking forward to connecting to people who are in Albuquerque or... Uh, you know, up north, and I can see their face, and I, I feel like it bridges the distance. And it's not exactly, I mean, it's not like being a person, but it, it really is a neat way to get together if it's not all that you do. We're, we're also working toward getting back in person. We want to be fully in person and be fully on the internet, too. We want to try to do both. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, <laughs> it is... Christian fellowship, and you know, I don't think communion should be a drive-through meal. <laughs> right? No, it, it, there are certain complications with that. It's amazing what we can get used to doing. Yeah, that we never thought we'd be able to get used to doing. Yeah. Um, the first month or two, I thought this is horrible, <laughs> uh, and yet I'm just seeing people crying because they can see each other now, and uh, we're much more flexible than we realize, and that's uh, kind of a miracle. But that's uh, true. If somebody like me, who's a die-hard anti-social uh, media person can all of a sudden lean in you know uh the spirit moves i'll just i'll say it that way the spirit moves what wait how whoops sorry pastor i gotta take this all right um i'll call back later okay all right idaho um you're on the air hello 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 you're on the air why you say hello well, you, I called. Yes, right. I called you. Right. Yes, yes. I'm. I'm. I'm yes. doing. I'm doing uh, a show right now. What? I'm doing Tanya. a show. I'm doing a show right now. Yes, but Tanya, I need to talk to Tanya. What? But Tanya, Tanya Tucker. Where's Tucker? No, no. Yes, she's my cousin. Um. 
We're interviewing Holly Tucker. Holly Hunter. No. No, I don't want to talk to her. I want to talk to her. Look, we, we, already, we already interviewed her. It was a great interview. Sorry you missed it. Um, but uh, right now yeah. we're talking about uh, Zoom fatigue. Do you have anything to say about that? About who? I'm sorry. I can't hear you. You need to speak up. I don't know where you went to radio school. But at the Kmart, they have a really good radio school there. I don't know. But that's where I went. Um, you probably wasted your money. On Idaho. Idaho. Do you, have any, do you have anything to say about Zoom fatigue? I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? Because Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue. Yeah, do you have any experience with that? Yes, a long time ago as a kid. Uh-huh. I did. I had Zoom fatigue. You did? I had it real bad. Yeah, I got tired of watching that show. And I you am got... 28 years old, you know. Oh, okay. And you got fatigued. Uh, but yeah, from uh, Zoom. I, got, <laughs> I got tired of watching that show Zoom. Uh, you no. know, I got the address down there because I always wanted to send something down there to, you know... <laughs> Send something to them because they always said if you wanted to send something to Zoom, I, man, I sent them so many things. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I'm talking about Zoom, the current Zoom, not the TV show. It's it's the 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 phone and the computer app so people can talk with each other. Oh yeah, you're one of those smart people, huh? Uh, I, I I wouldn't go that far, but um, you don't have to have a degree to go. You know. To have a degree, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But no, I wouldn't go that far. Um, no, I'm just talking about Zoom. It's that thing, you know, with, with all the social distancing that we, we yeah, have to do. I have an experience with it. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I guess somebody probably was spying on me with that thing on my computer when I was changing my clothes or something. Really? Uh, I, I bet they got an eye folder. Yeah, I mean, okay. You know, all right. I, I, that's the only. I have the unknown experience of Zoom fatigue. The unknown like, I experience. Know that I have it, but I do have it. I don't. I've got a show to do. All right. Just call me back when I'm done. Sorry about that, folks. What I'd really like to do is talk with somebody who actually knows a little bit about Zoom, like George Hogan. George, you're a teacher. <laughs> Um, can you tell us all about your experience with Zoom, the pros and cons? <laughs> <laughs> Zoom is, is one uh, that I use, and it's um, I got on the professional Zoom just so I could uh, do some recordings and stuff like that, send to my students. And with some of my professional students, we'll use CleanFeed. It's, uh, CleanFeed is actually just audio. I use that with the Zoom. Really, I think the, one of the better investments that I made was uh, uh, this little pillow that I sit on because I teach about 38 lessons a week. And uh, there is a real thing known as uh, Zoom butt, you know. Zoom and, butt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my tailbone was getting tired. I got one of those pillows that uh, that you can sit on that's got the hole cut out in the back. I got to say, if you're going to teach a lot of online lessons, make sure that you're standing up some and don't just sit there all day. Some people, I'm told, since so much of it is just video and audio, I mean, they don't even bother wearing, you know, pants. You know, they're wearing, like, their PJs, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I uh, guess, yeah, I guess you could do that. Uh, of course, I, you know, we've all seen those commercials where people get caught doing that, too, and I just yeah. never really... Don't yeah. risk it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's dangerous, man. Well, yeah, and I think... 
when you're teaching, depending on the subject, because teaching music via Zoom is definitely going to be different than yeah, oh, teaching accounting oh, via yeah, Zoom. And, you know, I have to say, I mean, I've heard horror stories uh, from friends that teach classroom Zoom. Ugh. I don't do yes. that. I mean, I just do one-on-one. One-on-one is, is uh, engaging, you know, but I, I can't imagine trying to hold the attention of 30 people in a classroom. That, uh, I, mean, that's, <laughs> I, can, I can do that in nope. person. I, that, that would be different, you know, um, <laughs> online, I would think. And I, I wouldn't want to see anybody's face. I would just, I mean, you know, I wouldn't do the gallery view because you're going to find somebody there that, what are you doing, you know? Um, yeah, and yeah. And um, your train yeah. of thought. And yeah, so my, my hat, I tip my hat to those classroom teachers using Zoom. That's, uh, uh, that, that's got to be a real challenge. Um, it is. <laughs> Let's just say that. It is. <laughs> you know, it's tough. I will say that those students that I came back in to teach, I mean, they lit up when they saw me in person and we were working in person. Yeah, yeah I, I would think that. And there have been some things, classes and churches. I mean, just getting to see people that you're used to seeing. Um, oh, man, huge. Yeah, Penny and I, yeah. we went back to church for the first time since uh, all this stuff started. It was. It was wonderful. I mean, that's, you know, God created us to have relationships, not be stuck in a bubble by ourselves. Yeah, I, I think everybody's really chopped up a bit to get back into it. Yeah, whatever the new normal looks like, here, here's a thought. Because it's not just Zoom. I mean, everything is online right now. And it seems like that's great when it actually brings people together. Like being able to talk to people on the other side of the world. And, you know, you can teach sure. people wherever they're at. So that's great. But I don't think that should be an excuse to keep people apart. Um, you know, we should oh, no. we still need to be Absolutely. together. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I I think um, that thing is sneaky little guy, you know. I mean, you never know yeah. how it was going to pay. I mean, we had friends that died. And, yeah. Uh, and we had others that, you know, got it and, you know, had a little sniffle and that was it. I mean, it's just such a bizarre thing. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I think my, my hope is that once we're done with this. I hope that we can reset as opposed to like 9-11, you know, everything changed and stayed bad. Yeah. You know I mean, Could like we have the good reset instead of the, the yeah, the lousy one? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I could do without the lousy one. Speaking of bad resets. Oh. Sorry, I gotta go. I gotta take this. Right? Bye. Did I say something out loud? I wasn't supposed to. I, I need to talk to Tanya. It's Holly and and. Um, okay, whatever you say, her name is. I just let me talk to her, please, because you know she's. I'm well, a big fan of hers. A very big we, fan. I've well, been I'm her sorry. For I'm sorry. You you missed that. We already talked with her, and she she gave us a very good interview. If you want to, you could listen to it. Yeah. No, Holly's quite a. She's, she's quite a. Around that table, so you know, come yeah. on. Oh uh, no. Hey, Jack. Miss Tucker, Miss Tucker, <laughs> I know you can hear me on the phone. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you something about her. What? I, I'm going to tell you something because she knows my heart. Uh -huh. I've been following her around for a long, long time. I'm talking a long time. Does she oh know this? God, I'm running out of breath. Like, my name is Tucker. Get them. Anyway. This is uh, Holly yes, Tucker, right? I, I, so I've been following her around a long time. She wrote a song for me. Oh, okay. She wrote, did she? Yes, she did. She wrote a song for me. Uh huh. And I just wanted to 
thank her from the bottom of my buttocks. Okay. Because the, the song she wrote, you know, she, she could not have known. She could not have known this about me. She could not have known this. She could not she have known this. Okay, she knew. She knows that I love Jose Cuervo. Okay. And well, Jose Cuervo does, was a friend of mine. Does Jose Cuervo know, know yes, that you love I, him so and much? I didn't do the salt line thing. I did that. Okay. Up. I think Tanya uh, wrote that song. Like, nah, what's up, man? Yeah. Uh, okay. like that. she, that's my sound she wrote to me. I wanted to thank her for it. Dang, you're keeping me from that. I know, well, I know Ms. Tucker's there. I know you're listening, Ms. Tucker. I know it. I hear you. I feel your voice. And you know what? I know you feel me. She's there, ain't she, Sarah? Don't take me from her, Sarah. You do this to me every time. Look, I got to go. Listen to the show. Don't call me back till you've heard it, all right? Bye. All right. And this poor fellow. Michael, out in Hong Kong, has been contending with Zoom before any of the rest of us because of some of the social unrest there. They were doing Zoom even before there was an outbreak. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. The, the fatigue is it's real. It's live. It's, real. it's full on. So when but we were first... it's not our fault this time. It's not okay. our fault this time. This time. This time. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, and with SARS, we did spread it to the rest of the world. <laughs> okay, okay. You, you heard it here first. Okay, an admission of sorts. So while the rest of us were just hearing about this, Michael was doing Zoom. And um, as he was telling me earlier, um, Zoom was even a thing before um, the outbreak. We, oh, yeah. yeah. We had a bunch of political problems and they've been going on for they went on for about six months before the outbreak or the pandemic and during that time we finally had to switch to zoom because of campuses were kind of closed and taken over so we couldn't get to classrooms teaching in asia can be um just an interesting thing in general even before sars or before covid and all this nonsense like i have had to say in class boys Put your penises away. You can play with them after class. <laughs> you said this to in English? Universe. Yeah. <laughs> to English students. Boys will be boys. They didn't put it away when I warned them the first time. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is just sort of setting, you know, setting the stage pre-Zoom. So. Setting the stage for what you sometimes get with students anyway. Okay. Yeah. We have the general thing. Like, I have one girl. She's just... You know what? She doesn't give a fuck anymore. They've given up on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even, there isn't a care in the world. Yeah. And then the other day, she went up into, you know, into her house. It was in one room for a while. And then she picks up her laptop. You know, she's listening to classes I'm teaching, trots through the house, goes into another room. And it's a rather small room. So I thought, okay, maybe she's looking for a quiet place. Uh-huh. A place to, you know, to so study, to, class. to concentrate. <laughs> yeah, to concentrate. Yeah. Uh, after about, oh, five minutes. And as she's walking out, I realize we have all just attended the toilet with her. Flush. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just like... I don't care anymore. Yeah. I mean, we've got girls. I've had this one girl. She was supposedly in the library working on studying. She was a stereotypical waitress from like the 1950s. You wow. know? <laughs> She's popping her gum, twirling her hair. 
So that's some guy walks by behind her. She like turns, watches him, and then they start a little conversation. I think she got a date. I, I... <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, she got something anyway. anyway. I'm not gonna say any more than that. <laughs> One of my classes, I had this girl who was like sharing a hotel room with somebody. I think she was in quarantine. And I suddenly noticed this girl in the back, like going through the luggage and pulling out different clothes and things. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to watch carefully. She's, if this girl starts to change, I'm going to like turn off the video on this girl really yeah, fast. Yeah. So she's like pulling things out, going through it. So I'm watching that one, not paying attention to the others in class. <laughs> oh, yeah. And suddenly I look over and the one guy's father with his nice little beer belly punching out through his, I don't know what you call him, wife beater, the little white yeah, t-shirt. With yeah, the yeah, screen, that's, that's, yeah, yeah the wife beater is, yeah. And his still little tiny whiteies, like, kind of had snuck over behind the student, and, like, you had had that, like, kind of bent over, like you're being naughty trying to watch what's going on. And the whole class is getting a full view of dad and his tidy whities um, <laughs> They weren't so white and they weren't so tidy. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. the look that crosses over the one father's the father's face. I mean, he realizes that. Yeah, when he As yeah, he, realizes, he, he turns, sees his father. What are you doing? <laughs> So are you fatigued with Zoom or do you find it? Oh I don't my, know. I'm so done with Zoom. Other teachers are too. When you're doing Zoom, if you're trying to share this and you're watching students here, it's freaking tiring. It's a whole, yeah, it gives multitasking. One person a whole I different, heard of went yeah. online, typed in the address. So the teacher shared their, their computer screen, typed in an address on Google search, you know. Mm -hmm. But you, you know how Google has that? auto-complete for yeah. things you've searched in the past? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, well, someone had um, been looking at porn the night before on their laptop. And <laughs> the whole... If students were paid a cl close attention, they could have seen, you know, big blanks or uh. <laughs> things like that for different porn sites online <laughs> yeah well it, you know so, it couldn't be you know just like a generic you know i don't know middle of the road porn site it had to be something you know out there oh no no yeah, it was like weird. not just gay porn it was like fetish gay porn or yeah. something. <laughs> when we first started you know i would start up i'd make sure the video was all perfect and the background all looked wonderful and i was all nice and dressed you know, these days I come in, my hair is still, I, I wear a t-shirt, semi-nice. I don't even put on a collar shirt anymore. And if the camera ever fell below yeah. waist level, it would be... It, it might not be a good thing, <laughs> huh? Things that they shouldn't. Um, <laughs> let's just say that way. Maybe this person summed it up best at the beginning of a, a staff meeting in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. when they forgot to mute themselves. And she said quite audibly to most of the department, I shave my pussy just for you before hitting the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh boy. <laughs> that that pretty much explains it all, yeah. And on that note <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Social distance platforms. Yeah, they can be a huge headache sometimes, but they can also connect us and bring us together so we can learn cool stuff like <laughs> how school works in Asia. And yeah, kind of like with Idaho and my phone, there is room for abuse, but I think the best remedy for that is kind of like what Holly learned. That it's okay to be true to yourself, not be ashamed of who you are. And on that, as always, peace be with y'all. Thank you so much for listening to Tornado Radio. And if you like what you heard, be sure and let your friends know about it because Grassroots really does start with you. And don't forget to like and share on all of your favorite social media outlets. You know, TwitBox, InstaButtFaceTube.